Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and leopards everywhere playing connect the dots with each other. It's Thursday at three o'clock, and you know what that means. Live from the Michigan State University campus and live from Chowchilla, California, it's Tea with BBP. I'm your host, Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. BBP, international superstar and diva of SLA. And speaking of connect the dots, here are my two freckleless friends, the twin dynamos, my co-hosts, <laughs> Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Say your salutations, you two. Einen wunderschönen guten Donnerstagnachmittag. You have any? Fr- you have some freckles. I on do your have face. freckles, right? Yeah, I mean, how do you dare about? telling me I don't have freckles? Tell, t- tell, tell everybody, Angelica, how you say freckles in German. Sommersprossen. Yeah, summer yeah. spots. They're summer spots, isn't that? Summer endearing? spots. And Walter, yeah. how do we say them in Spanish? Summertime pecas. Pecas, pecas. There's a great joke about pecas, which I can tell later. All right. So I can't Hi, believe everybody. this. Hi, everybody. I didn't Did even you? get to say hello. I, well, just, I, I know. I was waiting for that. I was yeah. just going to talk over you. I was just going to talk okay, over you. Sorry. Not that that's anything <clears throat> Did you guys look at the calendar, by the way? Do you know what today is? It's uh, the 9th. It's right. Crazy. November 9th. And wasn't it just like August, like two days ago it or was, something? yeah. I mean, I'm like, I, I'm freaked out. It's November 9th. And uh, I was looking at the calendar. And what's next week already? Act full, act full, act the full. The annual act full convention is next week. So I cannot believe it that it's already act full time. Because, you know, we academics on our nine-month calendars from August until May always punctuate with key times in a year. So one is the act full convention. And for me, in the spring, it's the AAAL convention. So we have these little mileposts. And I couldn't believe that act full was like, oh, my God, this semester is almost over. So anyway. and by. Yep, sure is. So, um, and where is Actful this year, Walter? It is in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee, which is the capital of music now, right? Nashville is the capital of music. So, um, we want people to call in today and tell us tell us something they learned about Nashville um, oh. and what they know about Nashville, because that'd be kind of fun. Um, and if there's any Nashvilleites out there, anybody listening who is either from Nashville or in Nashville listening to us, please call in and tell us something about Nashville. You want to know. Maybe people um, should I, sing their questions today. There you go. But no country western. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I draw well, the line. Come that on. That's be, Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> I draw the line. But Nashville is more than country western now. Nashville is the music capital of the United States. You get everything. Rock, pop, blues, R&B, all kinds of stuff hmm. in Nashville. It's all over the place. I mean, yeah, it's got its country and western roots. But, you know, there's more than Blake Shelton in Nashville, let me tell you. More than Blake. Do you get, don't you guys watch The Voice? Nope. Oh gosh! Because half the question. kids on there, he half does. the people on there no, are I in Nashville. Wa- I mean, I have watched it on occasion because my mother watches it and she shows me clips. You have to see this. What did and, you watch? What did you? Oh, like? I watched the what's the? Other? <laughs> I can't America's, got, America's, America's got America's got, got talent. talent. Like yeah. the AGT America's got talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, anyway, so you can watch the voice because a lot of the people on there are, are in Nashville and they're aspiring for a music career and they're all over the place. Some are country western, some are rock, some are pop. Some are R&B and so on. So they're all over the place. So Nashville really is the music scene right now. So, yeah. So when you go to Nashville, you don't have to just go to the Grand Ole Opry. You can go somewhere else. Here's some other kind of music. Some other kind of music. All right. Speaking of the voice, you know who's on this uh, year, this season? Who the coaches are? You always have Adam and you always have Blake. Do you know who the two women are? She was before, but she hasn't been on a couple seasons. Oh, um, let me think. Let me think. Why don't you just tell us? Okay, I can tell you because you're gonna, but Walter's gonna be guessing. We'll be here all day with him exactly. guessing. Miley Cyrus. Oh, this is her second time, huh. and then Jennifer Jennifer Hudson because hmm. she was one of our questions earlier. Yeah, so they got some good guests, and you know Jennifer Hudson's going by J Hud now. What, what? a rip off! <laughs> yeah, she's going by J Hud. J Hud. I want to call J Lo and say, you know what that girl's doing? She's like, she's like ripping off your nickname, J Lo J Hud. So, That's and she crazy. also talks about J Hud Productions. Okay. Uh, she's entitled. She's a diva. She's entitled. All right. Can I well, ask a question? Okay. What determines that someone is a diva? Ooh, good question. Do they have to self-proclaim as a diva? or it, It's all about attitude. It's all about <laughs> attitude. Well, then I think there are a lot more divas than <laughs> would claim to be divas. It's all about attitude. See, like, but I look at a lot of people who think they're divas, and in my mind, they're just divets. <laughs> 
Do you tell them that too? <laughs> yeah, they're not quite there. They're they're duvets. They're not divas. They're duvets. We've well, called us. See, see how that before, attitude Gene. just came. That's a diva. <laughs> that's a diva attitude yes. to say something like this. So. He's called us duvets, and I'm like, really? I don't want to be a duvet. No, I, I, I would certainly wouldn't want to be a diva. So I guess I don't want. I don't want anything div unless it's <laughs> diving into the pool. Nice. But beyond that, no thanks. <laughs> uh, Walter, I have to expand your horizons. <laughs> You know, I had a. a I someone, figured you to think outside your box. Yeah. Well, someone uh, tweeted me on on Twitter and said, "Is Walter going to be at Actful?" And I said, "No." Well, it said, "As is T with WPH, which is my handle on on Twitter, which I check so often." You know, um, <laughs> is is T with WPH going to be at Actful? And I said, "No." T with WPH was not going to be at Actful. He got he didn't want to have to put up with all the selfies again this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, won't be there, uh, folks. I will not be at Actful, which means, as some people have been asking, that Tea with BVP will not be broadcasting live from Actful this year. They can't not, do it without Walter. You know. But there will be a yeah. book signing. There will be a book signing, yes, unless I <coughs> get sick this week. You can't. So we'll see. Not an option. You never know. You never know. I'm only Vit- going to Actful for the book C. signing. I'm not doing anything else. I'm only going for that Saturday book signing. So, yeah, so... Watch five, watch five people show up to the book signing. I'll be really, I will be, what's the word? Oh yeah, pissed off. <laughs> Man, All right, well, let's get to the focus of our show. Today. We got to talk about our show. Enough chit chat. We are, we, we, I love chit-chit-chit-chit-chatting with you guys. I chit-chit-chit-chatting with you guys. Um, but we got to get into our show. We got to get into our show. Okay, our focus today comes from chapter five of my book. What's the title of my book, kids? While we're on the topic. Yes. So this focus comes from chapter five. This is our countdown to Actful. We're in the fifth week of the countdown. That chapter focuses on the principle that tasks and not exercises or activities should form the backbone of the curriculum. But before we get there, we, of course, have our announcements to make about how the show runs for those who are first time listeners or just need a little refresher because some people need a little refresher. Um, During the show, there will be an SLA challenge question. I'm actually going to give that in a minute here. Um, when I give the question, you'll have a few seconds to ponder it. And the first person to get a call in with the correct answer wins a prize. I can't see through the glass. Is, is Dustin on the phone today? Yes, he is. He is. Okay, so yay, our Dustin's on the phone. So when you call in to answer the SLA challenge question, you tell Dustin, say, Dustin, I want to answer the SLA challenge question. So keep your cell phones close by so you can do that. Again, the question will be coming in just about a minute. The same is true, speaking of divas and divets. Maybe I should have a divet challenge question. That's another one. So we have a diva. <laughs> we have a diva challenge question. Speak. Oh, man, we have to talk about Kevin Spacey, but we'll do that later. Okay. <clears throat> so the uh, same for the diva challenge question. Um, I'll read that question at some point, and you'll have time to pick up, punch in our number, and tell Dustin, hey, I'm calling to answer the diva challenge question. So you have two questions you can try for the SLA challenge question and the diva challenge question. And of course, we're still giving away copies of my book. So anybody who calls in, whether for one of the two challenge questions or calls in with a question or a comment during the show, the name goes into a hat, uh, a box or a cup. I don't know what we have in the studio today. And then at the end of the show, we pull a name out and that person will win a signed copy of my book while we're on the topic. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. And please don't be shy. We want you calling in. You don't have to call in about the topic. You can call in with any question or comment you want. Remember that we're here to do, we're here to do everything. Angelica will give you uh, German lessons. Walter will give you fashion <laughs> and hair tips. And I will, I will. <laughs> I will I will answer SLA and language teaching questions and comments. How's that? So um, Angelica will be monitoring monitoring Mixler to see what issues come up there. But again, we want you to call in. So Walter, repeat the number. It's 517-884-4321. Excellent. He's got such a good memory. This is why I work with him, Angelica. He never yeah. forgets anything. Yep, that's good. I'm going to nickname him Wally the Elephant because he never forgets anything. <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure about that. That is because of those two big tusks coming out of his mouth right now. you got to... Gotta send it to Dennis Walter. What just the hell? <laughs> no, going on here? this is crazy. I'm just teasing Walter. You know, I always tease. You always tease the one you love, right, Angelica? There Absolutely, that is very true. It's true. No, that, that is my true. rule of thumb. My rule of thumb is if I ignore you, that means I don't like you. Mm, yep. But if I tease you and have fun with you, if I tease you and have fun with you, that means you're on my A list, right? Yep. There you go. Okie dokie. So I'm going to go ahead and give the SLA challenge question now, so people have time to ponder it. And it's a task-related question. 
as you can guess, because that's our topic. So is everybody ready? Get your pencils out or your laptops, or your iPads, and write the question down. Uh, and here we go. Which of the following is a task based on the definition I use in my book? A, third-year students creating a story for first-year students to read. B, third-year students preparing a test for first-year students. C, third-year students conducting a survey of first-year students to determine whether or not they like languages. Imagine doing all those in the second language. Okay, so I'll repeat. Which of the following is a task based on the definition I use in my book? A, third-year students creating a story for first-year students to read. B, third-year students preparing a test for first-year students. And C, third-year students conducting a survey of first-year students to determine whether or not they like languages. Okay, the number again, Angelica, is... 517-884-4321. If you think you have the answer to the SLA challenge question, then give Dustin a call at that number and he will put you through. That's such a perfect, there we go. perfect phone number for a show like right? ours. Right? I know. Yeah. It is. It's pretty good. Why is it, why is it perfect, Walter? I don't know. Four, it's like three, two, four, one. three, two, one. I don't know. It's, we didn't it's make like it you up. Count, you know, it's like, it's like you're like counting down to the number. question. Like We're you're true, counting yeah. down to something. Yeah. All right. Okay, so. I guess I'll get into the topic. How's that sound? Yes, Should please I get into the topic? do. Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. Okay. okay. All right. So we put some questions out there um, in the uh, newsletter this week to let you know what the topic was. Um, because it comes from the principle that tasks should form the backbone of the contemporary language classroom and not exercises or activities. And I'm going to assume everybody knows the differences between, well, I'm not going to assume the difference between exercise, activities, and tasks. Let me just review that real quick before I get into some of the questions that I was I wanted to review with people today. So we're going to remind ourselves of the essential properties of a task as compared to what I call an exercise and what I call an activity. So a task, ha- a task has two characteristics. It involves the expression and or interpretation of meaning. And second, it has a purpose or an outcome that is not language practice, but something else, usually some kind of informational outcome. Uh, whereas an active uh, exercise has neither one of those characteristics. An activity has may have a focus on expression, interpretation, meaning, but it, its sole purpose is to practice language. Okay, all right, so what do we mean by tasks being the backbone of a curriculum? When I say that, Walter, do you think I mean that we only do tasks 24-7? Of course in the not. Classroom? Of course not. That's actually what I wrote in my notes here. Of course not. It's like (laughs) Walter's leaning over my shoulder and looking at my cheat notes here. (laughs) So what we say when when tasks are the backbone of curriculum, lurking behind that statement is the idea that tasks, we want to simply remind ourselves that communication is always purposeful. So if we want a communicative classroom, we have to have at least something that is anchoring our class, anchoring our class and purposeful communi- uh, communication. In, in my travels and in my discussions and reviewing language programs, too much of class time, and in some cases, all of class time is spent on language practice. Um, there's not any real communication. So for classrooms to be communicative, they have to be informed by the nature of communication, right? And we've talked about that before. And one important, uh, one major uh, characteristic of communication is its non-linguistic purposefulness. So when we say we're communicating in the classroom, that means we're using language for something else, some kind of communicative outcome. Um, but today I want to zero in on a couple of questions that we threw out there in our, our newsletter this week. The first is how task-oriented instruction differs, differs from what is called task-based language teaching. We often abbreviate this, what, TBLT, right, Angelica, TBLT. Yep. So task-based language uh, teaching, or TBLT, uh, uses a much, much broader range of tasks. I'm going to put that in quotes for you out there, if you can imagine that in your heads while you're listening. A broader range of tasks, in quotes, uh, than what I suggest in my book for world languages. Um, That's because a lot of task-based language teaching came, came from the ESL and EFL world. And not the world, uh, and not the uh, what ACTFL represents. For example, what we do in the United States in Spanish, French, German, Russian, Japanese, and other languages. So, um, task-based language teaching could involve such things as a visit to the doctor's office or calling customer service for help. Now, as you all know, I've advocated in 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 my book and in talking on this um, on this program that those kinds of things for me don't respect the context of the classroom, right? 
um, because I always conceptualize communication as between real people with real um, uh, 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 roles. And in a classroom, students are students and teachers are teachers. They're not somebody trying to go to the doctor. They're not somebody trying to lodge a complaint. They're students and teachers talking about themselves and their lives. So I conceptualize tasks based on the actual authentic context of the classroom. I don't need to, I don't need to make up things like going to the doctor's office or uh, lodging a complaint. So my definition and my formulation of tasks is, is actually narrower than what you would find or much more narrow than what you would find in uh, something like task-based language teaching. Again, as I said, task-based language teaching is popular in ESL and English as a foreign language around the world. I believe that's where it's got its origin. So those of you who want to know more about the difference, um, I suggest you, you Google Eric Herman's site on acquisition memos. Uh, Eric has done a very, very good job talking about these, um, about TBLT, about tasks in general, and also how I talk about tasks and doing a comparison. So there's a lot of good little information there if you want to look at Eric Herman's site. The other thing I want to talk about was project-based learning, because a lot of people think that project-based learning and tasks are the same thing. And I want to make sure that, that we, we get clear on how they're different. Because um, I think project-based learning is something different from TBLT. Um, at least as I, uh, or tasks, as I talk about tasks. Um, like many ideas that get imported into language teaching, uh, project-based learning or PBL, we like to use a lot of acronyms in our field, don't nope, we? TBLT, ACTFL, PBL. Sounds like a sandwich. I'll have a PBL, please. Can I have that on rye? <laughs> Can I have that PBL on rye, please? Oh, no, no, I, I changed my mind. I don't want any seeds. Can I have that on sourdough bread, please? Hold the mayo. Okay, so PBL, so project-based learning is a concept that originated in schools of education for students in K through 12, uh, and possibly even with implications for university level, uh, for learning subject matter content. In project-based learning, students are given a project to work on related to the subject matter at hand. So it could be social sciences, it could be math, it could be who knows what the, the topic is. The idea is to work on, in project-based learning, the idea is to work on a challenging and complex problem over an extended period of time. So, for example, it could be an entire semester, an entire school term. The premise of PBL is that learners are working in their first language, or at least a language they are fluent in. So I find it difficult to imagine project-based learning transferred to the beginning and intermediate levels of language. I don't see how it would work very well because the learners that we often deal with just don't have the skills to do project-based learning uh, unless you make the project so innocuous that it's no longer a real project as is conceived of in the literature. But let me give you an example of a PBL independent study I did last year that was at advanced level of Spanish. Maybe some of you have heard me talk about this. I had two students who came to me and wanted to do independent study in Spanish. They had been in my conversation class a year before. And neither one of them could fit a standard literature or culture class in their schedule that semester. So I said, sure. And they were really, really good students. I love these guys. I won't say their name. They know who they are. If they're listening, um, they know I love them to death. Okay. So what I said was, why don't we do a project? Uh, let's make a Wikipedia page. And they go, great, what would be the topic? I go, well, one of the things I think students don't ever learn about in their language classes or in their conversation classes is what does it mean for Spanish to be a world language? What's the definition of world language? And how is it that Spanish fits the definition of a world language? Because there is a technical definition. I don't know if you all know that out there, but technically there are only three world languages. Spanish is one of them. So they said, oh, that sounds good. So what we did is every couple of weeks we finished a unit on some content and then they took that information and they started to develop part of the Wikipedia page and so bits over time during the course of the semester they built this Wikipedia page until in the end when we got to the final two weeks courses what we did was we finalized the page edited it and then sent it in for approval um, and so that is project-based learning over the course of an entire semester we built a Wikipedia page um, and there was a lot of background learning that went in to figure out what content to put in, what content not to put in, and so on. Um, so that would be an example of a, a PBL, uh, project-based learning. It's not a task. Tasks, as we can see, them normally just take place in a class hour or, or possibly at the end of a week, you're, you're leading toward a task that you're going to complete at the end of the week. But they're not, they're not projects in the sense that you're accumulating stuff over time for a final project that's going to be the outcome of, for example, semesters or two months worth of work. So project-based learning is important from education and is, in my mind, of limited value for beginning and immediate learners. Um, I think it's of great value, however, for advanced learners. I think I would like to see project-based learning in higher levels of language classes, um, third year and above, for example, at the college and 
and certainly uh, it may be end of third year and, and fourth year in uh, 9 through 12, for example. Tasks, on the other hand, um, as opposed to project-based learning, were developed specifically for language teaching. Uh, and then there are two takes on tasks, right? So task-based learning teaching and what I advocate in Chapter 5 and have been advocating with Jim Lee in previously um, published work that I've done with him on, on language teaching, language teaching. So I'm going to leave it at that. So we, we've differentiated between TBLT and project-based learning and what tasks, what it means for us to have tasks be at the center of things. Uh, so I'm going to toss out some questions now for our audience, and I hope to hear from you out there. You don't have to call in with answers to the questions. You can call in and say, Bill, I'd like to hear you talk about that question, or you might have a comment about it or, or something. So here we go. So how do tasks fit with what is called teaching with CI, comprehensible input? I get that question a lot, and, and I think it's an important one. Um, so how might tasks fit with CI? How might they fit in other kinds of curricula that aren't CI-based? Um, how are tasks adapted or modified to work with beginners? Because um, aren't tasks always about making output? And we can clarify that if you call in. Uh, have you tried any tasks? And I want to know if those people out there in the audience have tried any tasks and how do they work for you? What problems have you encountered in trying to use tasks? We actually talked about this in my class yesterday. So this was kind of an interesting topic that came up. And what are the pitfalls in developing tasks? What are some of our major mistakes when we try to develop tasks for the classroom? Again, you may not have the answers, but I invite you to call, ask me what I think about things or any other related questions about tasks or anything else you want to call in about today. We're, we're not always just on topic with your questions and comments. We'd like to hear from you no matter what you want to talk about. So, uh, Walter, give us our number again. It's 517-884-4321. Perfect. Okay. I think we got somebody on the line. Uh, let's see here. We got Inga. Inga, are you on the line? Yes. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey Inga. Inga. Where are you? Where are you calling from? From Montclair, New Jersey. Well, Mazel Tov, Inga. You have a new governor now and a new legislature oh. and a bunch of other things. So I hope yes, you're going to have yes, fun this we next woke year. Up to a new governor. We're so excited. Yes, I hope that helps uh, education along because I know education has suffered a little bit in the previous administration and. Um, so yeah. anyway, enough about our, that. Our enough about that. Too. Yeah, well, that's happening to a lot of us across the country. So, um, but I'll cross <laughs> my fingers for you that things get better. New Jersey is a great state. I taught at Rutgers for a year when I was a, a graduate student as an RA. And uh, I think there's just a lot of good things going on in New Jersey. And I have a lot of friends in New Jersey. So I wish the best for all of you out there. Okay. Uh, I you. think you are calling about the SLA challenge question, correct? Yes, I'm going to attempt it. I have no idea, okay. but I'm going to try because I really, really want to win your book. <laughs> okay. So, well, yeah. you know, you, 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 the fact that you're even calling in, your name goes in. So that's good for the book. Okay. So here's the question again, and we'll see how people, uh, how you respond. Which of the following is a task based on the definition I use in my book? A, third year students creating a story for first year students to read. B, third-year students preparing a test for first-year students. C, third-year students conducting a survey of first-year students to determine whether or not they like languages. Okay, I'm going to go with, let's see if this possibly could be it, um, letter C. So third-year students conducting a survey of first-year students to determine whether or not they like languages? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go ding, 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 ding and give yeah. that to you because, because this, this, this is a trick question, actually. <laughs> this is a trick question. Technically, technically, it could be all three because you're using language for some other purpose to create something, to learn something, to provide information to somebody else. Um, and so the, it's all about what the third year students are doing, not about what the first year students are doing, but what the third, the third year students are all in all three of the scenarios are engaged in language use to produce something for someone else's consumption. Um, and um, so that that qualifies as a task in the broader sense of things. So you are going to get a prize from us. It'll be mailed out to you um, tomorrow or the next day, a Monday. And your name will go in the hat for the drawing at the end of the show to win a copy of my book. How's that sound, Inga? Oh, it sounds amazing. Thank you so much. No problem. And by the way, what? Angelica, mi, mi, ma, mein, meine Mutter ist auf Deutschland. Ah, woher? Uh, Dortmund, aber sehr ich schön. kann nicht zu viel Deutsch sprechen. Ah, doch, du sprichst sehr gut Deutsch. 
Uh, okay, <laughs> I just understood everything the two of you said. You just told her your mother was from um, Germany, right? Yes, correct. And then you said, then That's you said something about, yeah, you said <laughs> you didn't think you spoke German well, and then and Angelica says, no, but you speak German really well. Is that what I understood? Uh, yep, absolutely. Oh my God, input See, I even got that, words. and I don't know any German. <laughs> <laughs> you do too, Walter. All right, Inga. Before we let you go, do you have any questions or comments for us? Well, I had one one comment on your discussion last week. I think I, I, I am going a little off topic, but I, I recall that there was a, a question about multi-level classes. And um, um, I don't remember, but that doesn't mean anything. So go ahead. <laughs> Somebody wanted to know whether there was any research out there on the, on placing students. Um, in multi-level classes where the, the proficiency levels varied. And um, I think that the, the response that was that you didn't know of anything out there. And, of the um, of actual research, correct? Yeah. I, there, there is a, I did want to share an action research that was done, and I don't know how valid it is, but I, I saw something on, um, if, if you know Bryce Hedstrom from Colorado, posted mm-hmm. something on his website about a man, gentleman named Jerry Wass, W-A-S-S, oh, yeah, yeah. Who, who tried yes. it with his students in Missouri, right. um, but something about um, having multi-level Spanish classes for four years, and um, the results were very interesting. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, I, th- I think it's I think it's possible um, to do that. And that's just an opinion. Again, I don't know of any actual published research, but that doesn't mean that action research can't tell us some good stuff too. So I encourage everybody, if you don't know Bryce, he's, he's based out of Denver, Colorado, and you can send him a, or look, look him up, Googleize him and you'll find his website, um, as Inga says, and then see the link to Jerry's work on that and see what we can find out about that. So yeah, I really appreciate that lead. Thank you, Inga. Sure. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I do want to thank you again for all you do for our profession. Really, it's Oh. I'm really excited to listen to you every week. Um, I found you recently um, and in the past year or so, I've been really trying to catch up on listening. And, and it happened to be today that for teachers convention, I was able to call in because we're off as New Jersey teachers today and tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. said, I'm going to try to to reach uh, your studio and call you in person. So I'm so excited that I was able to get through. Well, we're all excited here that you were able to do that. So so thank you for calling in then on your day off. Thank you. Thank All right, Inga. You. We'll see you. Will you be at Take Apple care. next week? If you are, we'll see you there. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Take All care, right. Inga. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for Bye. the Anruf. Tschüss. Vielen Dank. Ciao. Ciao. Uh, ciao is not German. <laughs> but we use it, dude. It's spelled differently. I know. In Spanish, we use it, too. How do you spell it? probably has about 10 German? letters in German, right? <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I, that's why I asked, how do you spell it in German? I got one of those funny little letters, the umlaut over it or something. Let's, oh, it doesn't, do unfortunately. T-S-C-H-A-U. Ciao. Okay. Yeah. Spanish, we spell it C-H-A-U. So we don't spell it the Italian way. Hmm. We spell it like it sounds. <laughs> I like it. All right. Okay, dogs. Well, um, since we had a successful answer to the um, SLA challenge question, I'm going to give the Diva challenge question. And after that, we'll look at some email questions, Mixler, while we're waiting for people to call in. So, Walter, are you ready for the Diva challenge question? Oh, I'm always ready to get it wrong. Okie dokies. Okie dokies. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is easy peasy. Uh, okay, so we're back to my favorite Diva. Who's my favorite Diva? Bette, Bette Midler. Midler. There you go. Okay, well, so other than yourself, I would say that Miller's <laughs> yeah. probably your favorite. Yeah. I'm not that much of a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm just a little bit of a narcissist. Okay. All right, so here we go. Bette Midler has received two Oscar nominations in her long career. What did the two movies have in common? A, they were comedies. B, they featured her singing as well as acting. C, they were box office hits. Again, Bette Midler has received two Oscar nominations in her long career. What did the two movies have in common? A, they were comedies. B, they featured her singing as well as acting. C, they were box office hits. Colin, with the answer to that question, win a prize, and your name also goes in the hat for a book. So there you go. Okay, so what do we got and going while we're waiting? The phones are ringing off the hook. No, they're not. We're, people better call in. We're going to start. We're going to cancel this show if you don't call in and talk to us. We're going to like that. Yep. Go the off end. the air. Yep, we're done. We're Let's actually go, go off, off right now. 
yeah, we're going to go. So um, in the meantime, we'll... So in the meantime, we'll look at we'll look at Mixler or we'll look at uh, email questions. Well, you got something there for us? I got something. So okay. Nina is asking, would discussing a news article or a news program be a task? And what about discussing a novel if the focus is on meaning and not language? Um, what's the purpose of discussing? What are you going to do with it? Yeah, I can't tell you that because I'm not Nina. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 only a task if you have some outcome other than saying we're going to discuss. That's a very vague thing. So we're going to discuss and and figure out X, Y, or Z. Got it. Okay. So for example, uh, and, and you can discuss novels in different ways. For example, or stories. So let's say I'm going to discuss one of my short stories with students, and because we read one in two hundred two. Um, we can dis- we can discuss it by um, doing a survey, for example, of what three adjectives come to mind when you talk about the protagonist? Quick, and everybody writes one down, and we start sharing them. We start to see collectively what is forming in our heads about this protagonist explicitly, implicitly. That's a task because the outcome. We're trying to figure out, we're trying to understand um, what conclusions we've come to about this protagonist. That would be our discussion, and we would do the task that way, for example. So, um, uh, but to just to say discuss is a little vague. That doesn't mean it can't be, but if you have an outcome that's specified, then it is, of course, a task. Um, Were you trying to learn something or share something or provide something to somebody else or something? Um, yeah. Great. So. Thank you. And thanks for reminding us that we can use literature and readings as part of tasks. Of course we can. That's a, that was a good question. Was that Nina? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Nina, for that question. That was good, that comment. Okay. Uh, anything else, Angelica? Walter, do you have an email question before we go to the phones? I've got some email questions. Oh, I've got lots go. Oh, my God. Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins is back. Poppins, yep. <laughs> Actually, more as that Dick Van Dyke character, the chimney sweep. That's who he is. <laughs> Actually, he sounds more like those people from My Fair Lady, like Higgins and his friend. Mm. They're trying to yep. turn what poor, what's her name, Audrey Hepburn into something. Yep. Okay. Okay, Walter. Oh, come on. Okay, oh, wait. Walter. Sorry. Are we, are we done what's talking about Walter, Walter now? Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving right along here. I've got a question from <laughs> Marina in Moscow. She says, hello wow. from Moscow. Yay. We have... I think that's our first listener from Moscow. We are truly international, I tell you. Yes. So what's Marina's question? And Marina says that she would like to know, she's doing some research trying to uh, get a PhD, um, but she wants to do research on second language acquisition. And she'd like to know if you know of any researchers or research that's been done specifically on Russian as a second or foreign language. Um, there's been some research done um, uh, by Betty Lieber and some others. There was, there's a contingent of people in Russian. They haven't looked at acquisition. So you're not going to find anything, at least in the United States, you're not going to find anything about the acquisition of Russian language itself. For example, how is, how is case acquired over time or what are problems in the acquisition of case that I know of. Um, there's a journal here in the United States you might look at. It's called the Journal of um, East European and Slavic Languages, I think it's called. And uh, they do often publish things related to pedagogy in there. There might be sneaking in there somewhere, something about acquisition. But mostly the people in Russian are concerned about language pedagogy. And there's a large group of them that deal with um, particularly issues of advanced language learning. For example, majors and minors and and, um, how you can help them learn languages and what's good pedagogy and so on. So that's what, from my perspective, you're going to find Marina in the literature, at least in the U.S. I could be wrong. Um, but I know all the L2 journals, that is in second language acquisition, language learning, applied psycholinguistics, language, uh, bilingualism, language and cognition, second language research, all these. And in the last 20 years, I can't think of a single study that was focused on the acquisition of Russian language itself. Um, so, but again, I could be wrong. So I'm always open to somebody calling and opening my eyes about stuff that I've missed. So, but again, in like foreign language annals and some of the language teaching stuff, you'll find stuff about the pedagogy of teaching Russian. So that might be useful because there might be some hidden things lurking there. Interestingly enough, there's a, there, has, there was significant research done on child first language acquisition Russian. She might start there, actually, Marina, think about it. Dan Slobin and a large group of people in the 70s and 80s were doing uh, work on the acquisition of Russian. And then um, Masha, Masha Polinsky, Maria Polinsky, but she goes by Masha, of course. Masha Polinsky, who I believe has moved from Harvard to the University of Maryland now. She um, is a linguist, linguist, like a syntactician, but she's moved in the areas of bilingualism and then also second language acquisition. So she is beginning to look at things that deal with the acquisition of Russian, particularly heritage learners. Um, so you might Google her name, Masha or Maria Polinsky, 
and see what she's up to. Again, I believe she's at the University of Maryland. So those, those are my leads for you, Marina. And we can type that to her. Remind me, Walter, to send that to her in an email if she's not listening to the show. So Okay. Yeah, and maybe there's some other listeners out there that are familiar with Russian and maybe some studies that are being done out there. So let us know if you've got some some ideas for Marina. Send them our way, bvp at gmail.com. And it's a great to have questions about Russian. I love it. Okay, we have another call on the line. I think his name is Dan. Dan, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I'm all right. Where, are you, where are you calling from, Dan? So I'm calling from New Hampshire. All right. I'm really excited because this week we just got your book. Uh, my colleague who teaches Spanish said, gee, I wonder if the um, district will buy it for us and we can do a book study. So we told the curriculum coordinator, and she said, oh, should I get it for myself too? So definitely we said, yes, yes. So all three of us have it now. So we're going to do a study of your book. That's oh, awesome. well, I, I hope I, I hope it's fruitful, and I, ho- I hope well. First, I hope you like it. I hope you like the way it's written because I, I wrote it in a style, particularly for, uh, you know, for it's chit chatty and it's fun, but it's it's not based in in my opinion. It's actually reality based. <laughs> There's right, a lot right. of research behind things, but I wrote it in a particular style. So I hope you like that style. But other than that, I, I hope it's informative, and I and I and if you have questions about it, you know, you know how to contact me. Five one seven eight eight four four three two one. So so far, I've read uh, I read the first chapter, and then I read chapter five today in preparation for this. Uh, okay, great. And so far, I think it's it's great and it's very helpful. I um, well, good. I thought I'd tell you a little story. Uh, earlier, a couple of weeks ago, one of my seventh grade students, I teach seventh through college, and one of my seventh grade boys said, uh, "Why don't you ask all your students which class?" They, uh, which uh, team they think is going to win the World Series. And I thought, my God, kid, that's a great idea. So I, I came up with a couple of questions. You know, uh, are the Dodgers going to win the, uh, tonight's game? Are the Dodgers going to lose tonight's game? And then who do you want to uh, win the World Series? And I thought, after having read your chapter on tasks, I would have structured this a little bit differently. But I think I was, I had the kernel of an idea for a task, and I just wondered what you think about that kind of survey and how maybe I could have gone a little further and made it uh, more of a complete task. Uh, right. Um, that you are in the kernel. You, you, you're absolutely right, Dan. You're right on the right track for making a task. Um, tying into the World Series, I mean, not everybody's – I'm a huge baseball fan, and I watched the World Series, and I predicted the Astros would win. I predicted they would win by the fifth game. Um, and so – you know, but that's me. Not everybody's a baseball fan. So in that particular case, you might couch, couch a task, say the World Series come up, you know, who's playing and blah, blah, blah. And then have a task that's actually related to how much people follow baseball, how much people don't follow baseball. Rank baseball, you know, here's, ten, here's five sports or six sports. Rank them in the order of your preference for watching. And then rank them if you participate in sports. And then what you wind up doing is... Um, people get together. I mean, if you want it to be an input-based task, you don't need to make them talk. They just rank things, and then you pull it out of them as a whole class discussion. But if they're at a level where they can do a little bit of talking, you can put them in groups, and, and they have to ask each other questions to provide the information, the rankings. And So I ask Walter, Walter, on a scale of five to one, you know, how do you rank baseball? And Walter goes two. I go, okay, right, two. And that kind of, so, I, so I can make it interactive that way. And then you pull all the information and you make a profile of, okay, let's see how important. My, my, as a teacher, I love baseball. So I want to see how important baseball is to the rest of you. And so we do a little class. We build a class profile. And we found out that the ranking is 4.5. And you go, wow, I did not know that you all are big baseball fans. Um, or it's 2.5 and you go, oh, well, I guess I'm not taking you to the baseball game. And so there's, there's a task there where you're getting at a broader thing so that people don't have to have specific knowledge about specific teams. See what I'm saying? Okay. So sometimes we do tasks. We have to be careful because um, there probably are a handful of people in your class who just don't watch baseball and right. don't care. Right. Well, this way, this way you give them a chance to voice that. In a, in a task that actually captures what they want to say about it, as opposed to making a decision about the Astros, the Dodgers, and so on. So you're on the right track. And I think that you're, by, by thinking about a survey and thinking about getting their opinions on something, that's, the, that's always a kernel of a task. So yeah, right. good for you. Okay. I'm excited about that. Good. And I've got to say, the seventh grade boy who made the suggestion was very pleased that I went ahead and, and used his idea. So that was fun. Well, too. yeah. That's always good. One of the things I did when I was when I used to teach Spanish regularly, which is of course not now, but I used to I used to survey students at the beginning, like the first day. I'd go, I want you to list ten topics that are of, of importance in your lives right now. 
I don't care what it is. Clothes, sports, news, your parents, I don't care. Let's, let's, I just throw some ideas out and I would give them 10 minutes to write it. And then I would collect those. And as the semester progressed, I would try to insert tasks and activities around those topics. Okay. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. And, and I often used to do surveys like when I was interested in what daily routines were, because I don't like the way textbooks do daily routines. I just asked my students one day, okay, I'm going to give you in English, I'm going to give you um, five minutes to write out your daily routine, however you conceptualize your daily routine. And of course, it looks nothing like what textbooks do. You know, textbooks are always about getting up, brushing your teeth, taking a shower. Those are not daily routines. Those are your personal hygiene habits, right? Right. And what I found when students did this, there was a template that existed in students' heads about what daily routine is. You know, it's framed with getting up and going to bed. And it's about going to school. It's about working. It's about, because I teach college, right? So it's about working. It's about, um, you know, things they do during the day, if they go to the gym or not. And so lo and behold, nobody was brushing their teeth in my daily routines that they <laughs> it were. Wasn't all about reflexive verbs. Exactly, exactly. And so that's when I, when I restructured, when I got to the unit on daily routines, I completely restructured around the information they had given me. So, so students are great. I think you're, you're, you're hit on something, Dan. I'm glad you called in. Getting our students to provide us with some ideas and topics is always good in language teaching. Always good. Well, great. Well, thank you very much, and I love your show. Well, thank you. And your name now goes in the hat for a drawing for a book. So if you get it and you already have one, um, you can tell me not to sign it. You can give it away, or you can have a signed copy and give your personal copy that you have right now away. You can do whatever you want to do. How's that? All right, because I can think of some teachers who need to read this book. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, then. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Dan. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye, Dan. I like that. He was energetic. I like him. Very Did yeah. I hear him right? Did he te- he says he teaches seven through college? Yes. That's crazy. Wow. That's what he said. That's crazy. But he sounds really dynamic and full of energy. That's I, he, I bet he's a great teacher. Good for Dan. All right. What else we got going on? Um, anything uh, on Mixler or email? Well, I have Walter, a, you I, can questions. I can I first have a of follow course, up to yes. to Nina? So she sure. said that the objectives for discussing novels or authentic news articles or programs would be to understand, critically read, and interpret the text for cultural understanding and critical thinking. So there was a specific outcome or objective in mind. And see, actually, I'm going to be talking about this soon in another venue. How do we know that there's critical thinking going on? See, if you develop a task, you can assess critical thinking. But if, if all you're doing is, see, those, those tasks can't have vague outcome statements. They have to have very concrete statements. We're going to answer this particular question. Um, and so for, for us to say, what's a question that they could answer that would show us there's critical thinking mm-hmm. based on this? Yep. And so we need to establish that question and figure out how we're going to make a task around that question that they're going to attempt to answer. And by answering and engaging that question, they will be engaged in critical thinking. You have, you have, you have to be... Too much of language teaching, and this is no no uh, slam on Nina because there's Nina's asking the right kinds of questions here and making the right kinds of comments. But a lot of what we do in teaching is very vague. We jump into the classroom saying, "I teach communicatively." We have no idea what communication is. Oh, I do this, and we have no idea what that is. Or I'm proficiency based. We don't really understand proficiency. Um, and we jump into tasks and so on, and we go, "Oh, I have an outcome. It's this," but the outcome is a little vague. We need to we need to just be as concrete as possible in our language teaching because the more concrete we get. The better is that we can say we're doing something. So that's my little, I love my little soapbox for today. So thank you, Nina. You brought up a great topic there. Okay, Walter, how about a question from the email list? All right, I've got one from Elaine in Chicago, and she says, Hola, Bill. Oh, I know Elaine. She used to be my neighbor. Just kidding. Says, metropolitan, uh, and that metropolitan area of 5 million people, how many Elaines do you think there are? <laughs> Did you really have a neighbor named Elaine, though? Yeah, right? No, no. I did not have a single neighbor named. I lived okay. in a high-rise. I lived in a 17-floor high-rise, and there was no single Elaine in that building. What floor did you live on? I lived on 16. Wow. Was it penthouse suite? No. Actually, the 18, 18 stores. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was one level below the penthouses. So yeah? Sorry about that. It was uh, right next to that. What was it called? El Salpicón there, right? What Salpicón, which is now closed. My friends oh. closed the restaurant and moved to San Miguel de Allende, so... Wow. Anyway, get to our email okay, question. Okay, anyway, yeah. From well, Elaine from Chicago, who I do not know. While we're not on the topic, let's come back <laughs> to the topic here. Uh, one of your, on one of your shows, you mentioned getting feedback from students about their experiences in language classes. I have an idea. 
If you created a survey, interested listeners could give it to their students and send you the results. You could take a look at perhaps take a look and perhaps draw some conclusions. What do you think? I teach TPRS with high schoolers and with adults. I'd I want to separate their responses because I think high schoolers and adults are very different learners. So there's a suggestion and a question. What do you think about her suggestion, Bill? Well, first of all, she just described a task. <laughs> that is actually a task that has an informational outcome, a question we're trying to answer. Um, on this dimension of these three things or four things, or how do learners respond to a language class? Um, so that's, that's so it fits right with what we're talking about as a task. Um, overall, I think it's a good idea. Um, the um, We should think about that. So I'm going to have you forward that to me, Walter. Maybe we can come up when Luca comes back. Luca, where did Luca go to Hawaii for, by the way? Where He's not here today. Uh, there's a conference. Uh-huh, right. Mm-hmm. Pacific something conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's on the beach eating a macadamia nuts. I know what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> I think right now he's on, a, on an airplane. If he comes back with a tan, I know that he was not, know, he was not in the conference. I know, I know. Right? Okay. So um, anyway, so um, Elaine's, Elaine's point is well taken. When Luca comes back, we could actually create a survey monkey and um, or do a, do a survey on survey monkey and then do something and see if we, uh, you know. Um, so let me, let me look at that email because I want to digest the, the ideas behind it a little bit better. I think that could be kind of interesting. All right. So I forwarded it your way. What else we got? We got nobody calling in today. I know. What's Angelica, with it? I, I thought, I mean, come on, tasks. Yell at them on Mixler. Yell at them on Mixler. Come on. Call they must in. have something about call tasks. Call in. Call in. I asked them some questions to think about, too. So I'm oh, interested. I, I would love to hear. To all your questions. See. I would like to hear. I would love for somebody who's, who is a strong CI person call in. It's going to be late now because it's already 1247. I mean, uh, 347. But um, it's going it, to. I'd love to hear from the CI people about, you know, if they, if what they think about tasks and how tasks might fit in with what they're doing, if at all. Um, so, but maybe they'll call in next week. So one other quick question. Nina, Actually, no Nina is week. just greatly contributing on Mixler today. Thank you, Nina. Thank okay. you so much. We're going to put Nina's name in the hat today. Oh, yeah. Great. Excellent. Guys, did put you Put Nina's that? name in the hat. Nina's name so goes Nina in the hat. So Nina needs to send us an email with her address just in case. Tell so her not to put in a Mixler. The question is, are making predictions a type of task? For example, sometimes I show students news programs and ask them to predict what is going to happen next. Is that a task? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Because you're using language for a purpose other than language practice. And you're going to find out who has the best predictions, which then gets into discussion of why, um, how is it that some people predicted one thing and other people predict another? Um, so that is a task. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Good suggestion, Ian. I kind of like that. Um, we do that sometimes when we show movies and things where we stop and say, what do you think is going to happen next? And you survey the class. That's like a mini task embedded inside what you're doing. So, all righty, right, right, right. What else we got? I've got a question here from Sandra or Sandra. I don't know how she pronounces it. But anyway, Every Sandra, Sandra or Sandra. who's a Sandra. <laughs> Every Mary, who's really Marie. Wow. Every Joan, who is a Joanne. Don't you know that song? No. Nope. Liza with a Z. Okay, ask your question. We got somebody on the phone. <laughs> All right. Uh, and she's writing to us from Georgia. She says, do you recommend using CI in middle school when you know your students will continue into a more traditional Spanish class in the high school? The high school world language departments claim the students are not prepared. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, 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 my attitude is you do what you do and you can push up. I mean, sometimes revolutions start from the bottom and trickle up. They don't have to be a top-down revolution in education. So you do what you're going to do. Um, that's what I say. All right. Be, to thine own self be true. Who asked that question? Sandra. Sandra. Sandra, to thine own self be true. All right. We have a caller on the phone, Carol. Carol, are you there? Yes, I am, Bill. I'm here. Hey, Hi, Carol. Carol. I know which Carol this is. How you doing, Carol? <laughs> hey, I'm fine. It's 80 and sunny. How, how much better does it get? Yeah, great. Rub it in. Well, Rub it it's, in. It's 70 and sunny here. That's pretty good. I like 70. That's good. 80 is good, too. So. so what's up, Carol? What are you calling yeah. about? Well, so um, I have a little task for you, but, but can I comment on what Sandra said first? Sure. Am I allowed? 
I, I get that sure. question a lot also, and, and I usually don't have as quite a professional response as you do. I can't quite hold my tongue, so I usually say something to the effect of, so what you're telling me is if the teachers after you are poor teachers and they are not teaching effectively, that you should do the same so, so that you guys have no, you know, no differences so that they can't accuse you of you not preparing your students. Um, to me, that just, I, I don't understand the question. I get that they want to prepare them. And the way that I do that usually is generally at the end of the year, the last two to three weeks, I'll spend, let's say, a total of 30 minutes in a week. So maybe five minutes a day or two, three days of 10 minutes. I'll show them how grammar activities function, and I'll, I'll, I'll complete gr- grammar activities with them. Does that make sense? So that they understand how to function in the next level. But right. I, w- I would never not teach effectively because the next person right. isn't going to either. Students deserve right. better than that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I totally hear you and I don't disagree with, with what you're saying and how you're saying it. Um, but I don't want poor, um, who was it? Uh, Sandra. Sarah. Sandra, to get in trouble by saying, <laughs> if you don't want to teach effectively, I think, I, well, I think she doesn't have to I, say that, but that's yeah, the mentality is like, look, I'm yes. going to teach, I'm going to do what's best for, I'm going to do what's best for students. Right, right. And, and I think another way to look at it is say, well, my focus is on proficiency, proficiency in the development of, of actual language use. Your, your focus is clearly on something else. And that's all you say. Right. I think you can say that. That's and, why and, you're and, BBP and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then just say, and so we just have different goals and I'm, I'm, I'm teaching for this and I'm going to continue teaching for this and I'm having great right. success with it. That's your answer. I'm having right. great success. With it, so. Yeah, All right. I so what else? What Jason Fritz said on Mixler, he said, start the torture early. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I have a little task and we probably don't have enough time to do it, but do you want me to just like do a little practice task on you and then you can evaluate whether or not you would classify it as a real task. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I do. We've got about three minutes. Can we do this in three minutes? Okay, ready? Yeah, let's do it. Ready? Let's hear it. Okay, here we go. So I have a list of words, and there are probably about 10, and most of them are cognates, but I'm only going to give you a list of four. And what you need to do is you need to describe the person next to you. So the four of you right there, partner up. Or if there's three of you, partner up and just describe the person next to you. Here are your options. Motivated, athletic, Active, popular. You got it? Yes. Motivated, yeah. athletic, active, popular. Okay, describe and the how ma- next series. How many can I use? Just, you, you only can use one. You have to pick one. Motivated, okay. athletic, active, or popular. Do you have it? Yeah. Okay, what'd you say about, uh, what'd you say about Angelica? Dude. Angelica, I would say, is motivated. Yeah. Okay, and uh, what about Walter? Popular. Ha! Ooh, oh, wait, sorry. For Presidente, for sure. What did you guys <laughs> say about BBP? Crazy. Active. Oh, wait, sorry. Active, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Active. Okay. All right, fair enough. So um, now uh, what I want you to do is I want you just to tell the people, tell your partner uh, what you did last night. Now, if you want to make it, ask your partner what they did last night, fine. But just turn to your partner, tell them what you did last night. Okay. So I went to bed right night? early. Me. What I do last night? Yeah. I went out. I went out for pizza. Mm. Ooh, you went out for pizza. Now wait a minute. So um, now, if these were really low-level students, we'd have to give them some options. But I, I'll take your answers. So you went right, out right, for right, pizza. Right. Uh, did you go out with Did you go out with uh, friends or did you go out by yourself? By myself. Oh. And I sat at the I sat at the bar I sat at the bar and talked to people. Carol, I can't hear you. They're all singing. <laughs> what did you do last night? I also went to bed early. You went to bed early. Wow. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is based on what this person said they did last night, I want you to describe the person using the same four words that I gave you the first time. Motivated. What did I say? Motivated, athletic, active or popular. Can we negate them? <laughs> well, you, I suppose you could, but did, did this have any bearing on how you described the person next to you? Nope. Not for me. I didn't ask Wally. What did, Wally, what did you do last night? He also went to bed early. I went to bed early. 
That's because so, he got to get we, his beauty sleep so he can be popular the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I was very sleepy. So he's better looking, so he's popular. Right. Okay, interesting. <laughs> no, so um, so um, you, I think you called Angelica motivated, but she went to bed early. Do you do you still stand by what, how you described her as motivated? Yeah, I did. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. So the activity, we don't have time to complete the activity, but the activity goes on. And so we make a correlation between how you perceive people when you don't know them well, and then just finding out what they did last night. Does that have any bearing on how you perceive them and and how you describe them? And then we go on to say, okay, does does what you did last night, just last night, have any correlation? um, Well, first, then we find out, well, let's compare what you did on Monday and what did you do on Saturday? So if you went to bed on early Saturday night, how would we describe Walter? Lame. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't one of the options, but Sorry. maybe. So then we keep, we keep going with the, same, with the same questions, adding one small detail to each one until we finally get down to, all right, we, th- does any of this have any bearing on your GPA? And so we compare and contrast everybody in the class. You know, what kind of grades do you get? What do you do at night? And, you know, how do we, how do we describe you? So mm-hmm. anyway, that's my task. So my task is, do your evening activities have any bearing on your GPA? But we just do it step by step. There are several steps Absol- in the yep. process. Absolutely. Absolutely. There could be lots of steps. Tasks are always structured activities or structured community events. And so that you, you need to have those steps in there. Yeah. So do I task? You pass. I like Yay, your task. You pass. That's similar to one I'm developing. I'm developing one about whether you're a cat or dog person. It's very similar. So um, in the sense of it goes through lots of layers of things with a survey and all kinds of things to get to the point of do the personality traits that they say correlate with dog and cat people actually correlate by using people in the class. So it's, yeah. Yes. Okay, yes, excellent. Exactly. Good. Well, well Carol, thank you. Thank you. Thanks all for right. calling, Carol. Thank you. All right, Carol. <laughs> great. Have a great week. We'll all see right. you next week. Bye, Bye-bye. Carol. Bye, Carol. Bye. Okay, quick. We got a, that was nice. That was a great task she offered, by the way. I'm glad we, we went a little extra because we wanted to hear it. It was a good task. So thank you, Carol, for that. Now we got to do our drawing. We did. We have I a, just we have a it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Walter, who's the winner the of our winner book The winner is Inga from New Jersey. Yay. Yay, Inga from New Jersey. Okay, so Inga, a book will wing its way to Inga starting tomorrow. Great. So All no right, answer to the diva question. Oh, should I give the diva oh, question man, real quick and give you the crazy. answer? Yeah, or should I save it for next us. week? No, enlighten us. What was the answer? Okay, so Bette Midler has received two Oscar nominations in her long career. What did the two movies have in common? A, they were comedies. B, they featured her singing as well as acting. C, they were box office hits. Walter, what's the answer? All of the above. Quick. <laughs> I have no idea. The answer is B, they featured her singing as well as acting. Well, there you go. They're, and the fact they were both dramas. They were both dra- musical dramas. Okie dokies. It was The Rose and For the Boys. Okie dokies. Well, we are done, so I got to start our acknowledgments. By the way, do you know how many actresses who have won an Oscar for singing and acting in a movie? Four. Five. Julie oh, Andrews, Liza Minnelli, Barbara Streisand, <laughs> Sissy Spacek, and Emma Stone. There you go. Well, there you have it. Only five. I knew that. I was just oh. testing you. Yeah, you were just testing me. Okay, so. Okay, here we go with our thanks. We're going to thank first. Who are we going to thank first? Our technical producer, Daniel Trago, as always. What a great guy, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Our media producer, Luca Giappone, even though he wasn't here today, works behind the scenes doing things. And so we always thank Luca for his work. Our talented and trusted call handler, Dustin DeFelice, who's back there. Hey, Dustin. And this year, of course, as we've said before, we have not one, but two assistant production managers, Chad Bosley and Ryan Stuck. So everybody give a big round of applause for Chad and Ryan for helping us behind the scenes. Yay. We thank the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our Dean Christopher Long. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. Of course, we thank all the people who called in today and all of you listeners out there for keeping in your hearts, your minds, and in your discussions. All right. Next week, for two weeks now, we're going to be on hiatus. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. Thanksgiving, yeah, too. So we're not doing a live show at Actful, and then the week after that is Thanksgiving, which is a Thursday, so we do not do holiday shows. And so at some point, there's supposed to be music coming on. I'm actually going to keep talking to you because it comes out. <laughs> so we won't be seeing people till when? We won't be talking to people till... The 30th, November. The 30th of November. Wow. So in the meantime, enjoy some of our past shows. 
Have a great weekend and happy acquisition to everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bis nächste Woche bei Actful. Auch ohne Show, aber trotzdem sind wir da. Mm-hmm. What she said. <laughs> Except for I won't be at Actful. Ah, so sad. <laughs> <laughs>